this is your podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, covering the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. We have just passed the first round of interludes in Words of Radiance and are now into part two! This week we are reading three chapters, 13, The Day's Masterpiece, 14, Iron Stance, and 15, A Hand with the Tower. Emily. Yes. At first brush, what were your impressions of these chapters? These were delightful. After we were betrayed by the master, what's-his-face, in our last episode. Oh, my gosh. You've got to let that <laughs> I'm go. I'm not going to let it go. It's okay. <laughs> None of the characters agree with you or your podcast co-host. Um, these chapters were delightful. They were... Like, there were stakes involved, but it wasn't, like, I feel like we've been running on adrenaline for a long time, and, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad stuff that we know is coming, but we got to see characters be smart, and characters mm-hmm. be surprising, and have, like, fun, uplifting moments, and where I really needed that break. I really needed, like, a, like a pick-me-up yeah. for this. Uh, I'm mostly excited that we got to see a duel from Adolin's point of view. Mm-hmm. We did, uh, Dalinar did watch him in the stands for one duel last book, but now we got to, like, really meet Adolin and what his traditions are before a duel. But we'll get into that first, because first, we start off with Shalon! First, we start off with, hi, my name is Megan. Hi, my name is Megan, and if you've been listening to us long <laughs> enough, you know who we are! <laughs> Anyway, I should be cleaning my room. I should be getting ready for my trade show tomorrow. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast! We're making a podcast! Uh, I just finished uh, editing the last entry of Our Flag Means Death. And I have to be better as a podcaster. <laughs> Why? Because I fidget. I touch things. And I move my mouse around on my I desk. know! You know! And it just makes a noise like, I also constantly. know this. I know. Anyways, all this sound all around, constantly like, chomp, chomp, chomp. I don't even know how slurp. I made that much noise. <laughs> so uh, I vow to my sister and to all of you to be a more considerate podcaster in the future. So what are you doing right now to keep your hands busy? I am crocheting <laughs> quietly. <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> oh, but I'm making a swimsuit cover to wear on my cruise that I'm going on next month. I'm going on the Writing Excuses cruise. So, Shalan. Shalan? Shalan. Shalan. Okay. What's Shalan Davar up to? Well, she is making the best of a bad situation. Like, she is staying one step ahead of kind of Tavlakov. Remember what an idiot and a jerk Tavlakov is? I do remember. Do you remember him and how much I wanted Kaladin to shove him off a cliff, and I didn't get that? Maybe Shalan will get to shove Maybe him off Shalon. a cliff. Maybe Shalan. Listen, she's growing into herself. Um, I loved this beginning, like watching her do this because you think about the Shalon in book one, mm-hmm. I don't think she would have had the guts 
to even get herself to this place in the first place where she basically goes to him and says, oh, you're going to take me to the Shattered Plains and just yeah. expects him to do it. Like, I think book one, beginning of book one, Shalon, absolutely no way she could not have done that. Yeah, and this is like a very interesting parallel where someone has something she wants and in book one it was a wardship with Yasna and in mm -hmm. this one it's she needs to block up to take her to the Shattered Plains mm -hmm. and I... I love the growth and confidence we've seen from her already. Mm -hmm. And the sneakiness. Yeah. Like she Okay, I'm going to I'm going to do some expositioning. Uh-huh. Growing up in her father's household, I would think there would have to be some sneakiness on her behalf to either get stuff she wanted or learn stuff she wanted to do. But I mean, she was she was growing up very sheltered in her father's household, but I would assume that she had to, like, get around rules somehow sometimes. I mean, I don't know. We don't know what her life was like, but that's just what I assume. Where was I going with this? Just the idea that she has those skills. It's just a much bigger... There's a phrase. Skill set. No. Things mean more now. Things mean more now yeah. than they did before. Yeah. Significance. Yes, sort of. Greater significance. There's like more chance for bad things to happen. Higher likelihood of bad things to happen. <laughs> There's a phrase that I can't think of it. Consequences. There's oh, okay. more consequences. <laughs> I still don't think that's it, but that's as close as we're getting. So it's, it's basically... You're positing that she had these skills before, but if she doesn't use them to the best of her ability now, there will be much more deadly consequences yes. than there would have been if she dissipated in her father's mm -hmm. house or because, like, around the rules. Yeah, we find out in the in the third chapter that she hasn't quite got herself over her head, but she is almost there and, and how sneaky she has to be about it. Um I want to point out the interesting flora and fauna because we're in Shalon's point of view. Mm -hmm. We're seeing things that interest Shalon. Um, so She's talking to this guy with this weird name. Bluth? Yeah, what kind of name is Bluth? I'm sorry. Did you just disrespect American animation <laughs> treasure Don Bluth? In the context of the Cosmere, what kind of name is Bluth? What kind of name is Shalon? If it's a fantasy world, Bluth is just like a regular Joe Schmo name. Well, you can have. Listen, not it's like calling somebody Sam in <laughs> Lord of the Rings. No, I mean, Frodo, <laughs> Gandalf, Legolas, Sam. Because <laughs> he's the everyday man. I'm just saying. Bluth! Everyday man, he's grouchy. Well, you'd be too if some snippety redhead was saying, mm, "You're stupid because of where you grew up," which is not what she's saying, but is what he felt. But I like to do my bit about the flora first. <laughs> he's gone. Okay, so. If there was grass, it grew in patches along the leeward side of the rocks, with short, spiky blades rather than long, waiting ones. 
The rock butts never grew larger than a fist, and they didn't open all the way, even when she tried pouring water on one. Experimentation, very important. Mm -hmm. The vines were lazy and slow, as if numbed by the cold. There were also spindly little shrubs that grew in cracks and along hillsides. Their brittle branches scraped along the sides of the wagon, their tiny green leaves the size of raindrops, folding and pulling into the stalks. So, she is chatting with Bluth in the front seat of the wagon. Yes. And she's asking him questions. Like, she's a scholar at heart. I love Uh that she is still curious and still trying to figure out what's going on in, in this world and how things work and how these plants survive. And Bluth is not helping matters at all because he's just not responding. And he's just, like, grunting. And she's getting a little frustrated and I love the parallels between this and her time on the ship because Uh she felt guilty on the ship because she was starting to flirt not flirt but she was starting to kind of let her tongue loose and just be herself and she's like no I should be a I should be calm and demure and quiet and and I'm seeing this part of her come out and I love that she is kind of overcoming her not programming Upbringing? Upbringing. That's a good word. Yeah, yeah. And so I love that we're seeing more of Shalon come out, like, pure, 100% Yeah, like, her her very Shalon personality is shining through here. Um, And she says, It is common, Bluth, to engage one's traveling companion in mutually diverting dialogue. And he said, I'd do that, he said darkly, if I knew what in damnation half those words meant. And... I love how Odyssey is. He went from being like, this guy's weird, to like, oh, I love him. (laughs) (laughs) Snap judgment time, everyone. We like like Bluth. We like Bluth. I'm I'm on board with Bluth. 30 seconds earlier, what kind of a stupid thing? He can't (laughs) help that his parents named him something stupid. His parents didn't know they were living in a giant fantasy epic, okay? (laughs) She kind of like starts to give it back to him because she's like well I wasn't she's thinking I wasn't even expecting a response I think she was just trying to fill up the silence the silence and she's like well you use plenty of words I don't know granted they're all curse words and she's teasing him but it says like his expression darkened further and he's like you think I'm as dumb as that stick and then she thinks stop insulting my stick like it's just (laughs) a really fun but she doesn't say that to him and so I also understand she's trying to explain, like, oh, we need all kinds of people in this world. It comes across as pretty... It definitely does. Pretty, uh, you know, condescending. But I don't think she means it like that. She she means super well. But this is, like, what she's taught, right? That mm-hmm. we are the nobility, Shalon, mm-hmm. and the lower classes need us. We need them. We need everyone. When really... Lower classes, you do not need the bourgeoisie. Rise up, throw off the chains, you dark eyes. Our stupidities complement one another. <laughs> and she she does, I think, give a very good example. She's like, well, I can be stupid. She's like, I washed up on shore and I didn't know how to light a fire. Like, all my fancy talk did me absolutely zero good. She came across a very intelligent stick. <laughs> I am a stick. I am a stick. I have to tell you something very funny. Okay. So, April Fool's one year, Brandon released an extra interlude for Words of Radiance. Okay. 
Was it a fake one for oh. April Fool's Oh, it day? was super real. And it was from the point of view of the stick. Oh, my god! And it reads as, I am a stick. 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 And that was like for a whole page and a half. Which I think the stick predates Groot. <laughs> Which came first. The chicken or the Groot. The seed or the tree. <laughs> she, the, the conversation kind of dies down naturally and she turns her attention back to these plants and she's like, she should get out her sketchbook and, and then it just stops. Hmm. And I'm like, what? Why? Why? And I'm like, maybe she's sad because she thinks Yasna's still dead and she doesn't want to draw because she's too sad. She should get out her sketch pad and no. She blanked her mind and let it go. So instead of feeling the sadness or the loss or any of it, she's just 100% conceal it, don't feel it, don't let it show. And we kind of get some more, like this is a really chill chapter. Like, no one's running for their lives. No one is, you know, betraying anyone and leaving them to die on the Shattered Plains and having to have, you know, Kaladin come and save them sort of a thing. And we're getting kind of more of a day-to-day flavor, an hour-to-hour flavor of, like, what's going on. And she doesn't have shoes. She doesn't. She is attending to her feet, but, like, there's cuts. And, like, later we find out she, like, pulls a rock out of, like, a crack of her foot. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. That teach you a lesson, kids. Walk barefoot everywhere to develop the soles of your feet. <laughs> but um, I love that you said day to day. Because in book one, when Kaladin was traveling with Tavlakov, we saw the day to day from the point of the view of the slaves in mm-hmm. the wagon. Yeah. And now we're seeing it. We're seeing, like, another facet of it from Shalon's side. And it's. A lot of this book seems to be about change of perspective so mm-hmm. far. That, yeah. like, Shalon is, like, traveling not exactly the same route that Kaladin took, but she's she's our, she's our main character in this book, the way Kaladin was in the first. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested to continue seeing things from her point of view. Very nice. I really like that she is traveling the same route that a slave would travel, and literally seeing it from a different point of view. Yeah. Like, literally is seeing it from a different point of view. And the thing is, um, there are no slaves. Like, they have a couple parshmen yeah. who are there to do specific duties that, you know, they are taught specifically how to do. And she's a little nervous about that because, mm-hmm. you know, hello, what she and Yasna know, <laughs> this is really bad, mm-hmm. about the parshmen or the parshendi or the listeners, the now listeners, that we call them the listeners. Know. Yeah. And I just... And trying to imagine how different this would be were she traveling with, like, a cage full of men. Like, you think about Kaladin. There was a guy who was too sick, and they just took him out and beat him to death. These specific guys. Yeah. Maybe Bluth. No, Bluth wouldn't do right it. Now. Bluth wouldn't do that. Emily, you've only had him for four <laughs> pages. I can say whatever I want about him. Okay. I'm reading this. This is my experience. If Kaladin is a shrimp, Kaladin is a shrimp. Okay, Shalon. <laughs> just blank your mind of the truth. Bl- uh, Bluth. Blythe? Bluth. Bluth is a new hire. From where? I don't know. They're in the middle of the Frostlands. <laughs> they, they picked him up shortly before they picked Shalon up. Again, with a change of perspective. Mm-hmm. 
Shulan like suspects what kind of trading that uh, Tavlokov and his men do, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know the full realities of it. If she did, do you think she'd be able to approach this situation with the confidence that she does? Explain that a little more. Like, well, like. There's the cerebral idea of, oh, yeah, these these guys trade slaves. But she doesn't know, like, how the cruelty, the severity, the violence, the... Like, she doesn't know what Kaladin knows about what that means. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think Shallan registers just how dangerous these men are. Yeah, I think she has a little bit of an idea, but not... Mm-hmm. Like, she ends up uh, kind of finagling them to give her the empty third slave wagon for privacy reasons Mm -hmm. and she does see like stains on the floor and she's kind of like ugh, you know so she has kind of an idea but i agree with you i don't think she knows the extent to how cruel these people can be yeah put a put a pin in that um, that. cerebral knowledge versus experienced knowledge Mm -hmm. and to block of such a jerk but he's oh okay we know these people yeah we do where they're just like oh you know they they're just stringing you along like i don't know if he has a plan yet like we find out later he's kind of formulating a plan like a just in case sort of a thing what to do with her um but he's trying to use this to his full advantage like she kind of bullied him, I think, a little bit into doing this. And now he's like, what can I get out of this? And it doesn't matter if the end result is what Shallan wants. It's whatever's going to get him ahead. And he's out for himself. But, um, yeah, she finagles the third cage by saying, like, I need my privacy. I'm a woman of renown. You know, mm-hmm. she's really playing up her position of power. Perceived so, position of power. So we've just read Warbreaker. Yes. And I like to compare this situation to Vivenna with the mercenaries. Okay. That, like, Shallan knows that they're mercenaries going in. And Shallan is, like, voluntarily a captive because she knows that, okay, she knows that they're going to want to, like, leverage her for stuff. Yeah. So it's almost like Shallan and Vivenna are doing the actual opposite thing where Vivenna had no idea that she was a captive because her captors were being so friendly. Mm-hmm. And Shalon is being a captive on purpose, but she's being friendly to her captors. So she's like tricking them into taking care of, not tricking them into taking care of her, but basically she's manipulating, she's the, manipulating situation. the situation. Like, and it's very fun to see the similar situation of mm-hmm. highborn lady with a bunch of mercenaries mm-hmm. and how Brandon's written these two situations so differently. Yeah, because she goes into her little privacy wagon, wagon, privacy wagon, and hands holds her hand out for the key. And Tavlakov, like, hesitates because, like, he's got to keep up appearances of, like, oh, you're here voluntarily. I'm being this really great guy. I'm really being cool about this. When, you know, so she's being very smart. Like, yeah. She, okay. Also, I'm still mad about Shallan murdering the boat. I fully think that's what happened. Okay. I think this is a really stupid idea okay. to put yourself at the mercy of these people. But I don't know what other options, options she had. Yeah. Like, if there were other options and she's like, oh, this will get me there the fastest or blah, blah, blah. Like, I would still be upset about this. It's a terrible situation. 
she's a lot braver than I am. <laughs> but, like, she really has to be on her toes and stay ahead of the game. Not let him know what's in her trunks. Not let him know that she's a radiant. She has to keep so much a secret and appear to be... Weaker than she is. Weaker than she is and just your regular, snooty, highborn, light-eyed lady. Even though she's very young. Like, that's another disadvantage. Like, like I just have... Uh, I think one of the reasons why I'm like, this is a really bad idea. I think just as women of the world, listen, you just... There are things that you know. There are things you know that you don't do. You don't... If you live on the ground floor of an apartment building... You don't leave the windows open at night. Like, there's things that you just know. Yes. You don't wear your fanciest clothing and jewels when going into an alleyway mm -hmm. in Carbron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so, right now, Shalon's kind of going against all of that, like, self-preservation knowledge that I feel like a lot of women have learned. And so, I'm really feeling terrible about this situation. I think that... She has a lot more at her disposal than the average person, you know, with pattern and with, you know, her eventual powers and things like that. And she, even though Tavlakov and his goons don't know, she's a really valuable captive and she can use that to her advantage, which she does later and we'll talk about that. Pattern, really, I really didn't like Pattern at the beginning. Not that I uh -huh. thought he was a bad character or anything, but I'm just like, he's so weird and I don't quite get... His purpose, his purpose is becoming a little more clear and he is fascinating me. Yeah. So like when we first met Syl, she is shaped like a person and she acts like a child. Mm -hmm. And, and, and she, we pretty much watch Syl grow up in the first book. But when we first meet Pattern, he's an abstract mathematical concept. Yeah. And he both like personality wise and ability wise is very strange and different from Syl. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us about Pattern this chapter. All right. Um, she's talking to Pattern a little bit about the night on the boat, how like Yasna was so distraught and down and Shalon, I think fully comprehends how important this knowledge is that they get it to the right people about the void bringers and who they are and things like that. And so she's determined to do that. She's not going to the shattered plains to be betrothed and get married, even though that is going to be a perk. But the main purpose is to spread the word and basically try and save Alethkar. Like she's kind of their last hope because no one else, I think it really has this knowledge except for maybe the ghost bloods. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, kind of hinted at that. But um, she's talking to Pattern and he's saying like, I'm, he doesn't say it in so many words, but he basically is like, it's getting easier to think. I'm not good at it yet, but it's getting easier to think. So he really is following, you know, like what Syl did. And I think if we'd introduced Pattern before Syl, I think that figuring out all that information would have been a lot harder. I'm glad Syl was our first introduction to, mm -hmm. you know, this spren sort of a thing. Um, and, uh, let's see. Shalon says, you came to me because of the void bringers. And he says, yes, patterns, we, us, worry. One was sent me. And she says, why to me? And he says, because of lies. She shook her head. I don't understand. He buzzed in dissatisfaction. You, your family. 
You watched me with my family that long ago? Shalon, remember. And now she's got memories coming to her, but she does the same thing of like, like there's memories of like father's lullaby, blood on the floor. And then she's like, no, just closes everything off and just goes about like fixing her feet. Yeah. And I am trying to, because pattern is obsessed with lies and truth. Uh-huh. And I think think one of the reasons he's drawn to Shalon, this is not an official guess, but I think one of the reasons he's drawn to Shalon is because her, one, not remembering, choosing not to remember the past or rewriting the past to pretend it wasn't as horrible as it was because whatever happened seems to be pretty horrible. I think that's one of the reasons he's drawn to her because she's basically tried to rewrite her past. But, like, you can have faulty memories but you can't change literally what happened. You can mm-hmm. change the way you remember it or mm-hmm. the way you think about it. But I just think that's a fascinating concept to be drawn to someone like that of like, I choose to not remember the gravity of the situation, you know, just so you can get through whatever your everyday life. So why was Sill drawn to Kaladin? Because he's made of honor. Because of his honorable <laughs> deeds and, yes. and his core, his honorable core himself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like you said, Pattern is a type of spread known as a cryptic. And mm-hmm. all we know is he really likes lies and truth and the difference between them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just fascinating because for Shalon, you would think her life would be black and white. She's a noble lady. Like, this is how her life goes. Uh, clearly not. Clearly she has lived some other type of life. And I'm very intrigued to see how this plays out. It's just a really cool concept. Yeah. Did we, uh, we read the little chapter Red Carpet Once White, correct? Yes. Yes, we did. Do you remember what happened? She doesn't remember what happened, but we get, like, bits and pieces of, like, someone on the floor with their eyes burned out or some, there's a body. Like, it's bad. All right. But, um, oh, Pattern kind of goes through it. It's just like, I know little of humans, Pattern said. They break, their minds break, you did not break, only cracked. And she is just, like, focusing on anything else but what he is saying. It's just a really cool concept. So. Yeah. Oh, guess what Shalon finds? Uh, <laughs> what does she find, Emily? She finds in the magical trunk. Yep. Because it's a fantasy book. Just let it happen. The guy's name is Bluth. You're so mean to me. Me personally. <laughs> I didn't write it. I, that's what I just wanted to say. You didn't write this. I'm not making fun of you. Um, she, she picks up a, a piece of paper that's at the bottom of the trunk. And it's the picture that she drew of Yasna. And she'd given to Yasna. And Yasna doesn't keep anything frivolous. Like... She kept this picture that Shalon drew of her for her. I just think that's really sweet. Really, really sweet. And we get a little more insight because we find out why Shalon wouldn't think about drawing and why she refused to draw. And I hadn't made this connection. And so this was just horrible. Mm -hmm. When the ship went down, so did all of Shalon's things, including all the sketches that she had made, had I think she brought them with her. She'd ever made. So like all the pictures of her family, her mom, um, all the, the, you know, sketches she'd done along the way. She talks about the sky eels, like the, 
the stupid sketches she made of the sky eels and how Her those were gone. And barmaids. Mm-hmm. And Pattern says, you will draw more. And Shalon says, I don't want to. Like, she is so sad. Like, this is kind of how her grief is manifesting. Is like, she has lost interest in the thing that, like, in a very big piece of herself. So, I'm an artist. Are you? <laughs> I'm not as magically good as Shalon, but I have lost mm-hmm. huge amounts of art and project work to uh, faulty technology. Mm-hmm. Like losing a, I lost a hard drive once that just had a ton of stuff on it. And I'm like still really sad about it. I had all the footage for a short film I made. Now, all gone. Gone. And I could have like redone it. I could have remade it. But I'm like, it's not going to be the same as it was before. And I'd rather just let it go. Mm -hmm. And so I feel, I feel for Shalon in that moment. It's a rough, it's a rough one. She's kind of listing off. We're getting, like it's stuff that you could probably extrapolate from. But I love that Brandon really has her list out. Like she's she's she knows how bad this is where she's you know not only did she lose her pictures and and everything like that but she says the broken soul caster it's at the bottom of the ocean i can't repair it i can't send it to my brothers um you know and and so like not only is this bad for shalon and bad for the kingdom it's bad for her family like it's just there's nothing good out of this it's like so when this book first started we were talking about how Shalon now has everything. Like, mm-hmm. Yasna is going to teach her all of this magic and all that she knows, and and see that her betrothal to Adolin goes through. And Yasna is going to fix this broken soul caster, and we're going to go to the shattered planes together. And now Shalon has lost every advantage she had, mm-hmm. and now she just has herself. She doesn't even have shoes. She doesn't even have shoes. She has the clothes on her back, pattern. And the spheres, like, that's it. Yeah. Yikes. And do you know what? She does have Yasna's research. She does. Yep. Which she again reiterates, I have to get this to the king. Like, I have to get this to them. You know what, though? Elikar is not going to be of any help. He, oh, I'm pre-angry about this. (gasps) Pre-angry. I am pre-upset about this. Sorry, I'm thinking about this drawing of Yasna still. I'm pretty sure Shalon didn't do this one from a memory, right? Well, she... It just says... Oh, yeah, no, 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 sorry. Oh, uh, it says, It was a picture of Yasna drawn by Shalon herself. Shalon had given it to the woman after being accepted as her ward. This is the one where Shalon was drawing it. She she finishes it, and, like, creation sprint are showing up around oh, her. Yeah, she's yeah, drawing yeah. it, and she's like, Listen, I'm not one to brag. This is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. That's the one that Capsule sprayed the lacquer on That's for. Right. Yeah. All right. I'm pretty sure. Re- listeners, if we I'm don't have the other book. At me, at sis made me view it. <laughs> or email us. <laughs> Next is a really good chapter. Uh-huh. It's a about? really good chapter. This is chapter 14, Iron Stance, and it is from Adolin's point of view. <laughs> it was so good. Before we get deep into it, okay. I want you to look at the picture. Yes. It looks like a manga. Okay. It's it's it illu- does. It's illustrations it's of... It's swords that are like two and a half times as big as these people. Those are They're... their Final Fantasy bleach. That's what yes. you meant by it being a manga. Yes, yes. It's like, it's a drawn picture? But now I get what you mean, that yeah. it's the giant swords. Um, Stabbing something through the chest. So those glyphs, can you guess what these glyphs are next to these different pictures? I would think it would be like the stances because they're like holding the swords in different ways 
Mm -hmm. I, I think you're correct. At the very bottom right, though, is a little note. Can you read it? Oh, excerpt from a longer scroll. The bottom half was eaten by an axe hound as I fled the place where I'd stolen this. This is Chris, right? Uh, or I, I think it might be either Chris or Nas. Nas, okay. Who's a known associate of Chris. Um, so Adolin is, like, he's... Who's listen, he talking to? He's talking to a sword, which he hasn't named out of respect for it. And at first I'm like, oh, you're too important to name your sword. Me, me, me. Not that I yeah. really feel like that, you know, but she was kind of being like I that. Like that. But he's like, no, a Radiant used to own this. And I'm sure the Radiant named the sword something, and I can't just name it. And I'm like, nickname it. <laughs> like, give it a name. That's only like, I, I feel it's very rude to to just be like, hey, you, sword. Okay, well, okay it's not alive. It's just I fine. don't, listen, there's okay. so many things in this world that aren't and aren't alive. Apparently you can bond with it. I didn't know that. That's how you keep it. This is the first time okay, they talk okay, about it. Okay, okay, read the book. Read the book. Megan's just like, you should know this already. I'm like, I don't. Okay, anyways, we will get to that. But it's kind of funny because this is his first duel since his dad is like, okay, great, your sword is unlocked, you can go duel. Um, and he's realizing that if he loses, if he loses this, he's going to have to give um he's gonna have to give his stuff away because he we find out later in order to get this guy to duel him he has put his plate and his blade on the line and the guy has only put his plate on the line so that was kind of an incentive to get this going it's his first duel and part of you know as if you'll recall the plan is duel win as many short shard blades as we can to kind of give the colon family the edge the advantage the yeah. advantage what did the other guy wager? Just his sword. Okay. Not his plate. He borrowed the plate from someone else. And he's wagered his sword. He's wagered his sword, yes. I may have misspoke. I apologize. But, I mean, Adolin, for all of him being a pretty boy and kind of a, a bozo, um, he talks about, like, this blade would continue after Adolin died. He didn't own it. He was borrowing it for a time. Like, he's, he's serious about this. He's good at what he does. And this means a lot to him. And he's very thoughtful. Yeah. Like, you think jock. You think golden retriever. You think head empty heartful. Yes. <laughs> but Adolin is a very ponderous young man. Mm hmm He just hasn't found anyone that, like, resonates with him yet. This might be one of my favorite chapters so far. <laughs> because we get more about Adolin. Uh-huh. And we do get that kind of um, dichotomy of... Like you just said, basically, he's very surprising. Yeah. he's He has a lot of depth to him. He's also a little superstitious. Yes, we're going to get to that. Um, because he's having this whole conversation with the, the sword about, like, he's kind of, like, pouring out his soul to it about, like, listen, I talk a big game, but if I lose, this, this is bad if I lose. Mm -hmm. Because this is literally step number one to bringing my family, like, honor and like changing the course of alethala sort of yeah. a thing alethkar alethkar um you asked me a question while you were reading you said i wonder what sort of conversation adolin would have with nightblood because he's talking to the sword like it's listening and can respond and nightblood is a sentient sword 
not always the brightest bulb in the box. <laughs> Technically the darkest bulb in the box. <laughs> I would just, I would be very intrigued to see like what kind of conversation Adolin would have with Nightblood because I refuse to think that Nightblood could corrupt Adolin. Maybe Nightblood doesn't corrupt people. What does Nightblood do? We don't know. He draws the darkness out. So maybe there's no darkness in Adolin. There's not. Maybe he'd he's, be like... He's perfect. He's perfect. No darkness. <laughs> Never does anything bad. But maybe he would be able to wield Nightblood because there's no darkness in him. The way that Vivenna was able to do a little bit of Nightblood stuff. A little bit, yeah. It's really interesting because Brandon... I mean, Brandon gets like what 1500 pages to talk about this world per book and i don't know why i was surprised but he really explains like how the room is set up and and how there's different chambers and things like that and it was just a fun way for brandon to set up this world and just like put us in even deeper like i feel like at this point if i was writing it i'd be like okay we get like i'd be like readers just it's it's a magical world. It's it's this. Okay, we're getting to the fight. Like, this is the important part. But, like, Brandon really, like, paints a picture without sl- making the pace feel like it's slogging. Uh-huh. Like, I was kind of, instead of just, like, rushing through it, I'm like, ooh, oh, this is cool. This is really cool. So. Which I am so glad that you like the world building stuff I so much. Do. It was a little hard to keep up with when I first started, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah, you are a professional. Knock on wood. Oh my gosh! Ah! Rewind and freeze! Okay. The epigraphs are different in part two. Yes. I want you to go back and read the epigraphs uh, of Shalon's chapter. Okay. Okay, you guys. Something happened on the couch the other night. I saw a funny Stranger Things <laughs> meme on Twitter. A little, a little TikTok video someone had cross-posted to Twitter. And I was like, I'm going to get a kick out of this. So I handed it over to her and I said, press play. And she picks it up. Wait, okay, wait, about- wait. I want you to know we're less than a foot from each other. We're very close to each other, okay? We're very close to each other. I hand her the phone and I turn away. And then I go, wait, stop! <laughs> but you also, like, made a very sudden movement. To, I like, grabbed the phone a- back. Gave me hysterics. I forgot. And I realized there was a huge spoiler in the video I was about to show her. And I know Emily doesn't like spoilers. <laughs> so I had to retrieve the phone. But then we had to like just sit there quietly for a few minutes. Well, well Emily's heart rate went back down. Well, the funny thing was, so you gave it to me. And in those three seconds that I had it in my hand, I could, I could tell it was a stranger's thing. I could tell it was a character I didn't know. And I'm like, but Megan knows I haven't seen this, so this will be spoiler-free because she's very conscientious about not spoiler. I'm like, maybe it's just a really funny, funny thing out of context. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, it took me a while to get back to my baseline, okay? <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry, we have, Emily, read it. Okay. Uh, this is from Chapter 13, The Day's Masterpiece. War form is worn for battle and reign, claimed by the gods given to kill. Unknown, unseen, but vital to gain, it comes to those with the will. From the Listener's Song of Listening, 15th stanza. All right, now read the one above Adolin's chapter. Okay. Chapter 14, Iron Stance. Mate for meek, for love to share, given to life, it brings us joy. To find this form, one must care. True empathy, one must employ. From the Listener Song of Listening, fifth stanza. And I I think it's interesting that they talk about, like, this form when, like, this 
chapter is all about dueling and the different stances you can take and like yeah of Aelin's you like Aelin in maiden form don't you <laughs> I do. but uh Emily what are these epigraphs describing uh first one was war form and this one is mate form belonging to the the listeners so the things that they can transform themselves into yeah so Eshtenai mentioned this song in her interlude mm -hmm. where she talks about the old songs reference hundreds of forms. Oh. And so in part two, each of the epigraphs will be a verse from this song talking about a different one of the Parshendi forms that they can take. Got it. Did they learn how Parshendi change forms? They go out into the storms. And they bring a very specific, mm -hmm. what do they, what do they need? In the storm. Stormlight. <laughs> Wings. Butterflies. <laughs> what? It's a spread! <laughs> I was trying to mime. It's a spread! <laughs> okay, Emily, how would you do I don't charades think, of a spread? I don't think they say spread. We haven't recorded for a while. I think they said, like, you had to go out and hope that you got the right one. No. Yes. No. Yes. Ha <laughs> ha! No! <laughs> I am correct! <laughs> and I said, picking up her maps and the gemstone with the trapped spren. Oh. They learned how to trap spren and gemstones from humans, so now you can pre... <laughs> if you don't have your own spren, pre-trapped in a gemstone is fine. <laughs> Um, but it used to be that you would go out into the storm and you would be able to attract the specific spread you needed, and they've lost that art. Mm -hmm. And so, whew, <laughs> I know you hate spoilers. Okay, <laughs> y'all, I know you're sick of hearing our escapades of when we do and don't record, but it has been three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> His whole family is there waiting in one of the, the chambers. So Navani is Dalinar there? Dalinar's in the in the crowd for sure watching. Okay. So it's Navani and Renarin that are there to kinda like cheer him on, sort of a thing, like get him ready. And um Aunt Navani had just finished a glyph ward. She stepped away from the pedestal, setting aside her brush pen and held up the ward for him to see. It was painted in bright red on a white cloth. Victory, Adolin guessed? It's not victory. What is it? <laughs> it's safety and glory. Navani says it wouldn't kill you to learn some glyphs, Adolin. Uh, the red ink on the white is very interesting to me because it harkens back to Shalon's chapter of red carpet once white. Interesting. They're connected. They're connected. <laughs> They're destined. Um, not that I feel like Navani would compare ever her children to Dalinar's kids. <laughs> I almost feel like she's, she's Navani's mom. But I think she also understands because she's also Elicar's mom and Elicar's an idiot. Um, uh-huh. But the idea that her nephew doesn't understand glyphs, I think, just must eat at her a little bit. Well, I mean, it's not very... I think she gets it because yeah. it's it's not done. It's not done. It's yeah. not common. Um, but I love her stepping in to do the role that a wife or a mom would do for Adolin yeah. to, to do the, the glyphs and stuff. Um, but now that you've brought up kids, <laughs> uh, so 
El Hokar and Yasna are a bit older mm-hmm. than Renarin and Adolin. Mm-hmm. But uh, if Navani and Dalinar, if Navani got her way and got Dalinar to marry her, mm-hmm. what do you think those family dinners would be like? Adorable. I mean, no more sisters, obviously, but... Oh, you no, know, because she's going to come back. It's going to be fine. Okay. How old is Navani? Listen, I don't want to be indelicate. Is she old? Can, is she too old to have kids? Do you know what? I don't know what maternal health is like in this world. Okay. I'm just thinking, like, Adolin would be such a good older brother to, like, a tiny little new sibling. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And, like, the, the captain of the guard, Kaladin, would have to chase around <laughs> the tiniest little <laughs> blackthorn. <laughs> So, what are the steps that Adolin goes through when he prepares for a dream? I am not there yet. Okay. Um, Navani brings up, like, well, I guess it does, I mean, it does matter, but at the same time, like, hopefully you'll have a wife soon who will do this for you so that you won't be left all alone in the world sort of a thing. And I was surprised to find out that Adolin knows that he's betrothed to be married I don't know why I thought they would keep that a secret from him, but I was very surprised. It, I guess I was expecting the scene of, like, if everything had gone perfectly and Yasna had shown up with Shalon and introduced Adolin to this is your future wife. I was kind of hoping for the scene where, like, that what, 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 you know? I can't believe I'm stuck with her all, all summer. summer. <laughs> <laughs> But they know that Yasna's ship is late. It had the wind's pleasure has not arrived. It's a week late, and and um, which means that your ship is late. It is late. It's super late. You and Navani have the same outlook on this mm-hmm. because Navani's just like, oh, she's up to something. Like she'll contact us, and having forgotten this was what she was doing, and she's probably off distracted by something, which I think she is. Um, I think she. Wow. Bobbing along, <laughs> bobbing along at the bottom of the beautiful <laughs> I think she's stuck in Shadesmar and she doesn't have any Stormlight to get her home. It's very dangerous to be in Shadesmar. Okay, but Shalon was in Shadesmar and she didn't see her. Well, Shadesmar is giant. Okay. That's that's what I'm thinking. So, anyways, now that we have settled that. <laughs> we're never going to talk about it again. <laughs> uh, things of note. He knows he's betrothed. He knows the girl's name is Shalon. Um... He says, of course, the causal betrothal wasn't likely to work out, but a piece of him wished it would. Honestly, though, same. I'm like, it's so hard. Can someone just pick me a really great, incredible, accomplished spouse, and then we can just go from there? Just go from there. Listen, Meg, I agree with you. Sometimes I'm just like, if someone can pick one for me, and we're both on board, and we're both, like, determined to make it work, I can do that. I could make it work with someone who is also on board to make it work. But if I were betrothed to someone who is like, ugh, I didn't even want to do this in the first place. Like, that would be hell on earth. Mm-hmm. So. 
we get to see the whole Iron Man routine of him stepping into his boots and going from like the ground up and it like What were you singing? Do 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 no That was Harry Potter I was singing the Avengers theme. You're a radiant Kaladin. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Yes, that's the okay, one. Okay, okay. I've, I've semi redeemed myself. <laughs> um, but now, Megan, we're getting to the part that you're so excited for. Renarin comes in and like basically goes through this checklist that apparently this is something Adolin does every time he duels. You ate chicken. Renarin asked as Adolin took the helm for breakfast, and you talked to the sword. Had an entire conversation. Mother's chain in your pocket? Checked three times. And Navani's just like, okay, you guys are still doing this. And, oh, okay, so she says you still hold to these foolish superstitions. Both brothers looked at her sharply. They're not superstitions, Adolin said at the same time. Renarin said it's just good luck, aunt. So, are superstitions a bad thing? Well, I mean, it's like, um... I mean, like, compared to, like... Gazing into the future and telling the future where that's really frowned upon. I I think it's more like, do you remember when the Jazz were playing against the Bulls? Yes, I do. And every time we bought shakes from the Iceberg Shake Shack, they won. Mm -hmm. And then they played on a Sunday. So mom was like, we can't buy shakes on a Sunday. It was the championship. Yeah. Yeah. And And we didn't buy shakes that day and they lost. Yeah. I think that's kind of how this works. We're like, really, there's no basis in science or religion for what Aelin is doing to mm-hmm. work. It's just that, okay, the days that I've won duels, this is what has worked for me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more like the superstitions you have before a game or a performance. And I'm not, it's not like um, something that's looked down upon, like gazing the future. I think Navani's just like, okay, your little turn around three times and spit mm-hmm. is very nice. <laughs> So maybe this is reading way too deep into it, but he has chicken, which is a shin dish, which I would assume is very expensive to import. So it's something that only the upper class can do. Okay. 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 Chicken watch. Chicken watch. Oh, uh, I, I thought, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't picturing like ye olden days armor. Like that's not really what I was picturing, but this description of the helm really surprised me uh-huh. um it says adolin slammed down his face plate it missed it at the sides locking into place becoming translucent and giving him a full view of the room um but yeah which i think would be so useful for if it's ever adapted to the screen that we can see through the helmets because one of the things you've got to do all the time is you got to take your helmets off so you can see your actors faces yeah but if we could see into the helm we can't. I don't think you can see it in You can't, because he says he grins knowing that Renarin couldn't see the expression. There's that bit in Gallivant where there's like, wait, let's put our helmets on before we go into battle. Wait, would that mean people won't believe we'll do our own stunts? What are you talking about? Of course we do all of our own stunts. <laughs> oh, everyone stream Gallivant on Netflix. It's hilarious. Do it. Um Renarin brings up something really interesting. Guys, we're really going into detail on this chapter because I love it so much. 
I love the character interactions. I love the interactions with the brothers. And when Renarin calls Adolin brother, it's capitalized. It's very Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> full Metal Alchemist tangent. <laughs> so the first time I watched Don't FMA, give spoilers. I'm I supposed to watch it with you. The first time I watched Full Metal Alchemist was the original version of the anime, which you know diverted from the manga. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be reading the manga. So... The this is for the old anime, so it's not it's not spoilers. Mm-hmm. But I watched the Japanese dub of the whole anime, and it's much more typical. Like you and I don't really call each other sister. No, we're not like the witches from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> we call each other by our name. It's much more typical for younger siblings to call older siblings, uh, like with honorifics. So not just brother, but like. Nissan, or if we go to Bleach, my favorite Rugia calls her older brother Nisama, which is, you know, different honorific ending. Um, and so you got Nissan, Nissan. It's just what he calls him through the whole show. And then I, uh, one of the follow-up movies to the anime was something called Conquerors of Shambhala. Okay. And I couldn't find it in Japanese. And it was the first time I'd heard the English voices. And you just have the little kid saying, brother! <laughs> and it just sounded weird to me in English like it was fine in Japanese but it was like brother no I just got you back and so whenever Renarin does it I'm like brother not that I would ever make fun of Renarin's voice Sean Stormpod does a bit oh. about Renarin that okay. I, do, I do think is very funny I'm doing a bit about the bit <laughs> Renarin brings up the fact that that the guards are really upset that they can't go guard Adolin on the field. And <laughs> Adolin just flat out says, I don't like their captain. Doesn't like him. And uh, doesn't name him by name, but we know exactly who he's talking about. He just bothers me, Adolin shrugged. There's something about him that is off Renarin that makes me suspicious. I think you don't like that he ordered you around on the battlefield. I barely even remember that, Adolin said. <laughs> I don't remember that. Didn't happen to me. Yeah. Hey, Emily, what suspicious thing is Adolin picking up on? I think, okay, here's here's a, here's a, I'm not telling the future. Um, I think Adolin is going to be one of the Radiants. And I think he can pick up on a kindred spirit but he doesn't know that that's what it is. And it's freaking him out, man. Call that Radolin. <laughs> and so, again, like you said, I thought that was a really good thing you brought up. Adolin is very thoughtful. And he puts a lot of thought into things. Um, and he's thinking about, he's not going to be fighting Sadius. Um, and Sadius isn't there that day either. And Adolin's kind of like, that's kind of a good thing. I think I would be really distracted if that were the case. Mm-hmm. And he starts thinking about... Kind of the last, I guess he's dueled before and Sadius watched sitting with Dalinar. Like yes. it was a, it was a friendly thing where they were friends and Adolin is not over the betrayal. Me neither, buddy. Me neither. So, but he is fighting today. Adolin is going to be fighting Salinor, one of Thanadol's shard bearers. So th- I'm assuming Thanadol is a high prince. Okay, yep. great. And again, we're, we find out Adolin had to put up both plate and blade. And this dude is only putting up his blade and has borrowed plate from someone else. And as expected, the arena was overflowing with light ice. Even if it was speculated that Adolin had lost his former edge, bouts for shards were very, very rare. This would be the first in over a year's time. And so there's enough of a, 
of a pull of like, oh, this isn't something, one, this isn't something we see every day. Two, Adolin has been forbidden from dueling forever. He's got to be rusty. I'm thinking, okay, I don't know. I don't know how widely known what Sadius did has gone around the camp. If people understand that Sadius abandoned Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Um, or if there's rumors going around. But something has changed. And I think people are at least unconsciously picking this up. That things have changed. There's been a change in the wind. What's going to happen next? And um, Adolin, the, the, the thing is only like two and a half more pages long. But, like, they, they fall into fighting stances, but Adolin ends up beating the tar out of this guy. Yeah. Just smashing him. Like, do you remember when Dalinar kicks Elokar through a yeah. table? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> this is basically what's happening. So the title of this chapter is Iron Stance. Mm-hmm. And you are asking me questions about what is a stance. Yeah. And it's a series of moves. It's a style of moves that marks specific types of fighting. Mm -hmm. So like when Dalinar was in the past and he had this poker, Mm -hmm. he used, I want to say like water stance or something. Yeah. And it's just the, how you hold your sword and plan your attack. Mm -hmm. So like the, the version that I gave to you, which isn't a perfect one-to-one is that how Aang can switch between water bending and fire bending mm-hmm. and earth bending, where it's a different move set that has a different effect depending on what you do. Mm-hmm. And so Adolin generally uses flame stance, which features like quick movements and like, you know, graceful and fluid. And he switches mm-hmm. to iron stance. And I'm like, describe iron stance for us. Okay. With his sword held two handed up beside his head. And it talks about uh, his opponent is in flame stance, sword held one-handed, the other hand touching the blade. Like, he he describes all of these these really cool, cool things. But, like, Adolin shows no... Like, he fights quick and he fights dirty. Like, he he disarms the dude and... Crushes him. Crushes him, figuratively and yeah, literally. Yeah, doesn't kill him. But yeah. He doesn't kill him, but um, he... Let's see... Raised his foot and kicked the man backward, throwing him onto the ground. Salinor dropped his blade, a weakness of flame stance's one-handed posture, and it vanished into the mist. Um, Adolin stepped over the man and dismissed his own blade, then kicked down with a booted heel into Salinor's helm. The piece of plate exploded into molten bits, exposing a dazed, panicked face. And he's just smashing stuff until the ref is just like, Whoa, buddy! Hey, what's her name? What's her name? Isa, I- Isto, Isto, Isto. She's the she's the ref, and she's like calling for basically a timeout, and she's upset because she says this is a duel, not a wrestling match, and Adolin just fires back. Did I break any rules? And everyone's just like, like just quiet, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and and he he asks again, did I break any rules? And She's like, the duel, you're supposed to break three pieces of plate. You've only broken two. Like, she's trying to, like, kind of keep it going. Keep it going. And he just reaches down, rips a piece of plate off, and crushes it in his hands. <laughs> He's like, I win. And everyone is just like, what just happened? Right, because okay. it happened so fast. And you have to consider, Adolin is, like, a famed 
dueler. Mm-hmm. He's an art. This is his calling. He's normally an artist in the ring. And he mentions it like later when Devani's like, that wouldn't have worked against someone who is more skilled. And Adolin's like, oh yeah, I know. I definitely planned that. And we realize this boy has some rage issues yeah. actually. And that's where this came from. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, Navani thinks, oh, you did this on purpose. She says, it was wise then. You mask your true skill. People can assume this was won by trickery, pit fighting instead of proper dueling. They might continue to underestimate you. I can work with this to get you more duels. And then we find out, like, Adolin's like, yes, that's why I did it. Yes. I'm going to compare this to what Sadius did on the battlefield. Obviously at a much, much, much smaller scale. Oh, I need you to explain yourself further. I'm going to. Okay. Where there is a way these things are done. Mm-hmm. There is a proper order to fighting. And and for the Alethi, war is their highest game. It's mm-hmm. their highest form of honor and everything. Yeah. And Sadius made a brutal risk because Sadius needed Dalinar out of the way. Mm-hmm. And he could have had him assassinated and he could have fought him one-on-one. And he made this stunningly brutal decision to cut Dalinar's army off at the knees. Yeah. And infinitesimally smaller scale. Listen, Listen I don't I'm like where trying... you're going with this, but I'm listening. But yeah, but, but you get it, right? That everyone's expecting the beauty and pageantry of dueling. Mm-hmm. And Adolin comes out with a brutal... Jack-booted thug move. Instant, deadly move that completely wrecks his opponent's... <laughs> <laughs> And that's the Aelin we have right now. And Aelin even is a little bit surprised at, like, the anger that mm-hmm. he has. And that's uh, that's what I have to say about that. So, to go into that a little further, trying to think why is he... So, well, okay, that's a stupid question, why but I'm going to ask so you. Angry? Why is he so angry? One, his he almost died. I think he's suffering from some PTSD. Yeah. But he talks about, like, he's never felt like that even on the battlefield. Like, he even talks about before mm-hmm. the duel. He is so nervous and he's like i've never been this nervous even when i was about to die so i don't know if this is leftover from being abandoned on the battlefield and he's still working through his own stuff or if he's so angry still about like what if it's what sadius did that betrayal and that betrayal of everything held sacred to the alethi people Mm -hmm. like you said war is their highest form of art blah 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 it was a huge betrayal to like his dad also to Adolin himself, like their family was betrayed by a friend. Yeah. And you keep asking me, why hasn't anyone done anything about Sadius? Why haven't they gone after him? And it's because we still have to keep to the codes. We still have to, like, we can't just, like Adolin can't just challenge Sadius to a duel and kill him in the arena. Mm-hmm. They've, he mentions that this is step one of like a hundred steps they have to do to get back at Sadius. Yeah. And so I think he's also feeling the frustration of being, like, caged in by the proper societal way to handle these things. Because you were really mad at the end of the last book when Dalinar just Still lets, mad about it. He just let Sadius go to, like, live and fight another day. And he's like, our time against Sadius will come. And Dalinar's like, I have a plan and we're going to get Sadius back within the proper framework of how we do these things. Mm-hmm. And Adolin, so faithful to his dad, we know that, is just did step one of the plan today. Mm-hmm. 
But I think the way that he accomplished it is he's very chomping at the bit to get this done much more quickly and much more aggressively. I feel like if he weren't restrained by honor or anything like that, Mm -hmm. I feel like he would just be sweeping through the war camps, just like calling people out, you, here, now, I challenge you. And he would just go until he was exhausted and like die doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the level of rage he has at this point. Yeah, but like... And, and even he had to he had to promise his plate and his blade just to get one person to duel him. Mm-hmm. Because he's been out of the dueling bracket for so long. He's not even ranked anymore. And yeah. that's why people are underestimating him. Mm-hmm. And, like, not only does he have to do... Not only does he have to go through the proper bracketing, but because of his obedience to his dad, he's been kept out of the bracket for so long that he has to start at the bottom and work his way up. Like a like a sports anime. Like a sports <laughs> anime. Okay, listen. I'm so glad you brought that up because the bridge in book one was the book one sport anime, and dueling is the book two, the book sports, two sports anime. Sport anime. I was just thinking if he, because I'm like, who's he been practicing with? How has his skill not crumbled away? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would think that he obeys his dad enough that he wouldn't be practicing behind his dad's back because he's not supposed to be dueling well if you let me read chapter 16 i'm gonna gonna get there what i'm saying is if he really wants to practice i think he should fight and practice against kaladin which will make him even angrier because kaladin is listen i understand kaladin does spear and and adolin does dueling but i think like you could still like pit them against each other and like practice okay uh where they are right now adolin uh sword and plate kaladin spear and maybe a little surge binding Mm -hmm. who would win in a fight okay would definitely i don't know i would think (laughs) adolin but kaladin's scrappy and he's kaladin uh... has taken down shard bearers before yeah so i just i'm hoping that it's going to be a begrudging thing of of or even like even adolin just being like super super arrogant of like oh i'm going to trounce this man who ordered me around on the battlefield and they're just practicing and then he realizes how freaking insanely good kaladin is and just be like he's hiding something oh my gosh uh so you asked where does adolin practice yes and i'm gonna give you a very cheerful rafo because that is something you will find out perfect um something else that is super cheerful and another reason why i freaking loved this chapter guess what happens with the one the the blade that is one where does it go it goes to renarin uh so renarin has his dad's plate yeah which means renarin now has plate and blade Mm -hmm. which means even though he has epilepsy can't he go on the field Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> He'd have to learn how to use his yes! sharp blade first. We do get a montage training. Yes. I want him, I want Kaladin to train him and Aelin be really mad because that's my brother. I'm supposed to do Again. this. Someone has to train him how to use a shard blade. Okay, you so know like what? Aelin, Aelin can't is fight capable Cal- of doing anything, okay? Right, but give me this. What I'm let saying me, is, is Kaladin. Kaladin <laughs> can't do shard blade training. He can do other kinds of training, like he could teach Renarin how to carry a bridge. Okay. But so you know, like Kaladin's super good at spear, but 
we've learned that spears is more of a dark eyes weapon. Yeah. So I don't think it's a realistic scenario for Kaladin to be training Renarin, for Kaladin to be placed okay. over Renarin. Okay, maybe not train. That's not, I mean, that's what it, it sounded like. I'm saying, like, pit them against each other okay. and, and help Renarin learn new skills of, like, yeah. how to defend yourself against this scenario. Yeah, so, like, Kaladin could teach him how to think like a warrior, probably. Hey, Copper. No, no, Copper, you stay here. Copper is in big trouble because he emptied the garbage out and got into the cat's empty food thingies. And every single chance he gets, you go back there. You can't go back there. No, no, no. <sighs> okay. Anyways, so yeah, that is chapter 14. My favorite chapter so far Yay! besides... Favorite chapter in this book. My favorite okay. chapter in the previous book is Kaladin coming to save the day at the end. But uh, chapter 15, A Hand with the Tower, here is the uh, epigraph. Thank you. I was going to say epinephrine, and I'm like, that's <laughs> not it. <laughs> Work form worn for strength and care. Whispering spren, breathe at your ear. Seek first this form, its mysteries to bear. Found here is freedom from fear. From the Listener Song of Listening, 19th stanza. I like that. Freedom from fear. Okay, listen. Uh-huh. I am not advocating drug use oh okay this is not what this is about let's go okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i'm trying but? to think through the story and think how it will sound so i had to go get lasik redone on one of my eyes and the first time i had lasik i think i might have told this story before first time i had lasik i did not take any of the drugs they offer just because i was so excited to get it done i'm so excited to be able to see without glasses i really didn't feel that I needed it the second time though I was just like I'm a little nervous just because like I, I don't really want to do this again but I want to be able to see so I accepted the Valium they gave me and guys I am always operating at a very high anxiety level all the time it's, it's true I saw the whole thing <laughs> dog make a mess are you upset about that <laughs> um so i took valium and it was a wonderful experience because all of a sudden i'm sitting in the waiting room just being like i feel zero anxiety right now zero and i couldn't get over how great i felt not being afraid yeah and so i'm just like if i had the opportunity to be in a form, like work form, where it's just like, you don't feel fear, I don't think I'd ever get out of it. I think that would be my form forever. Formever. Formever. Like I said, not advocating drug use. Sane. She's advocating magically transforming your body <laughs> into an alternate form that gives the same effect as Valium. That's right. <laughs> also, I can never take Valium again because I made phone calls that I have no memory of. Oh my gosh, one of them was to me. She messaged me. It was great. I think I have. Hold on. I'm doing this because I love my sister. She's asked this of me. But this is Emily on Valium. Grave anxiety. <laughs> ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> oh 
gonna take a nap because I'm tired and then we'll podcast tonight and I'll talk to you later. Later, skater. So Emily started texting me just gibberish. That was like Jessica told me I sounded weird on the phone and I don't know how she would know because I didn't even call her. Just because I'm on drugs. And so I was like, hey, Emily, can you do me a favor? Can you just call and just leave me a voicemail on the phone? And that was the voicemail she left me. <laughs> so that's what work for it sounds like, everyone. Don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs. Bad. Um, so this, chapter 15, it's Shalon taking a hold of her destiny, basically. Understanding she is not in a great position. But she's not as worried about it as I think she should be. I feel like this chapter is here specifically to give us more insight into her captors. Not necessarily. It's like, this is how cool Shalon is, even though she is cool. Um, she doesn't have shoes. And so she approaches Tavlakov and is just like, oh, hey, I noticed you're wearing different shoes. And he's like, oh, you must be mistaken. I only have but one pair of shoes. And Shalon knows it's a lie. And she's like, do I call him out on this? Do I not? Like, how do I keep the upper hand without losing ground? Mm -hmm. Because she knows that he knows that she knows he's a liar. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, well, that's too bad. And I thought she was going to be like, because I have all these spheres to spend. But then I'm like, oh, that's too dangerous. You can't let him know you have money. And so she's like, well, maybe we'll find someone else to trade with. And he's like, yes, maybe we will. You know, and, and just, again, it's driven home how this guy is only out for himself. And he has no interest in really helping her or making her life any better. Because I feel like... If she was still on the wind's pleasure with, what's the guy's name? Yalb. Yalb. And what's the Thalen's, Captain Thalen's name? Captain Tazbek. Tazbek. I feel like Captain Tazbek would have given her the shoes and not made her pay for them. Like, yeah. that's the sort of person he is. And so we're getting, you know, a lot of insight into, into more insight into Tavlakov. And uh, Shalon uses pattern like Kaladin used Sil. Sil. To go spy on Gaz. Gaz. Shalon is having Pattern go spy on um, Tavlakov to see what's going on. And while that's happening, she's kind of looking down at herself and just kind of realizing, like, I look like a street rat that found a nice dress in a trash heap. Because, like, she doesn't have shoes. Her hair is a mess. She's got yeah. bags under it. She has a little mirror. She's looking at herself. And, like, her dress is all torn up and it's just dirty. And she... She does not look like she's from an important family. She has no way to back up her story of how important she is. And it was really funny because a lot of times in writers groups, um, they will tell first time authors, you should never start your opening chapter with your character looking in a mirror and describing themselves. Yeah. That's just way overdone. Um, and, but I, I think it's funny that she's doing that. And we're like, we know what she looks like. And I think it's very important to know how different she looks now. Yeah. Like, I think that yeah, was yeah. a really, really good option. And Shalon's kind of thinking about, like, well, you know, she's, she doesn't care that she looks bad for the slavers. She doesn't really care what she looks like, you know. But I think in this case, she realizes it would help her out if she was maybe a little more formal looking. But she jumps because Tavlakov's voice is right in her ear. 
she realizes pattern can mimic like tones voices everything and so he is giving her back the conversation verbatim the way he heard it he's not yeah. just repeating the words he's speaking in their voice which is what sill did where sill just like described what they were talking about but mm-hmm. pattern is like recording it and then playing it back yeah um and she finds out that that one of the one of the other people his name is tag just wants to leave her uh that he thinks she's trouble but Tavlakov thinks that she really could be someone important and someone must be missing her and that someone's probably going to be rich and if they can just hold on to her they will also be rich because they can sell her back and Shalana's like oh no he sees me as a slave like he this is bad yeah so what she does is she channels Yasna which I loved. Yeah. I love that because she says earlier, like, Yasna wouldn't use seduction. Like, that's not Yasna's, Yasna's way of getting around things. She's not going to bat her eyelashes and make people do things. She's going to make people do things because she wants them to do these things. And so she walks over to Tavlakov, just haughty as can be, just nose in the air, you know, a very put upon, put upon sort of a face and excuses the other dude. She's like, you're, you know, tag, you're dismissed. And, uh, she starts talking in the language that Tavlaka will understand, which is payment. And he's like, oh, just serving you would be payment in and of itself. And she's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't say shut up, but, uh, but she starts pointing out like, Listen, I'm not stupid. Your men don't like this. And unless you can convince them it's worthwhile, like, you're going to lose out on your payday. Like, she completely plays up to his ego, which is so smart. And again, I don't think book one Shalon could have done this. She would have been way too timid. Way too timid. She's she's learned Mm -hmm. so much in the first... Like, even when we saw her trying to use logic on the boat Mm -hmm. and logic on the stick... Obviously, boats and sticks, that doesn't work on them, and she had to, like, try different approaches. Mm -hmm. So, like, she tried to use logic on the boat, and it failed, and then she was able to appeal to it emotionally. And she tried to use logic on the stick, and it failed. And she tried (laughs) to appeal to the stick emotionally, and that also failed. But now she's, like, back in her element, which is using her words to influence people. Yeah. And she's good at reading people, too. And I would think growing up in the sort of... I'm assuming abusive household that she grew up in, you would have to be incredibly sensitive to the emotional, I'm going to say emotional vibrations, that's not going to be, but like the yeah. emotions of the household. The vibes. The vibes, yeah. Like people growing up in abusive households, like they're very sensitive to changes in people's emotions and how do I, how do I um, not dissolve, not dissipate dissolve the tension how do i ease the tension yeah yeah there's a specific word i'm looking for but that's very close um and they get good at reading the room and and you know taking care of that um because we saw some of the effects of shallan's upbringing in the first book where yasna was like you probably got punished when you said clever things by Mm -hmm. your by your governesses Mm -hmm. so you learned to say things so clever that they wouldn't pick up on it or say it quickly enough, they wouldn't realize what had happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so she kind of reads to Vlock of like a book. 
mm-hmm. where where she's like, I have a fortune, but not here. Which I think at first I was like, oh, come on, Shalon, he's not going to believe that. But that's going to keep him from leaving her somewhere because if he can't physically take a fortune away from her, he's not going to risk losing her. Yeah. So I applauded her her decision here. She pulls a Galadriel, an evil Queen Galadriel here, where she's like, he thinks I'm lying about all of these things. And she, okay, I'm just, okay. You are, listen, I'm really enjoying this. Normally, I never shut up in an episode. And you get to do so much talking this time. And it's really, I'm loving, I'm so happy how much you are enjoying this. So she, she kind of like freaks him out a little bit because she kind of reveals like, I know that your men don't like this. And she, you know, reveals things that she couldn't possibly have overheard. And he's kind of like, oh, oh my gosh, how did you know that? Shallan stood up, cutting him off. She felt somehow stronger than she had before, more determined. Her insecurities fluttered in the pit of her stomach, but she paid them no heed. Tavlakov didn't know she was timid. He didn't know she had been raised in rural isolation. To him, she was a woman of the court, accomplished at argument, and accustomed to being obeyed. And the thing goes into, all of a sudden, she really, this is late at night. They're sitting mm-hmm. by a campfire. She's glowing. She's pulling in stormlight. She has mended her dress. Okay, it doesn't go into uh, details about this, but did she just light weave it? Is this an illusion, like the thing that ran off the side of the ship that she she did an illusion? Or did she physically fix her dress? I'm going to give you a refill on Okay, that. okay, okay. But that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Is it an illusion? Or is it um, actual, like, soul casting kind of thing? Yeah, because she realizes, like, she's glowing, and she's like, whoops, and she's like, well, he'll just think it's a trick of the light or whatever. But um, she spun and left him shaking beside the fire as she walked to the wagon. I'm just like, yes! Like, she does, like, instead of a lord, you'll have a dark queen! Like, Not beautiful, but terrible as the dawn! <laughs> Treacherous as the, the sea! Stronger than the foundations of the shall love me and despair (laughs) (laughs) so i was super impressed with her at this point um i'm still super mad about the boat i'm so upset about the boat still just like that was not the only option you had honey oh uh also i forgot to say she knows about knobweed sap she does and she's been rubbing it on her feet to keep from rat's friend from coming in but um connecting her journey with kaladin's journey um, but all of a sudden, Bluth crashes back into camp, freaking out. <laughs> and he says, there's bandits. And he's like, put out the fire. Like, they're very close to danger. Like, this has kind of been, not a fun adventure, but like, it's been like a journey. Boring. A boring adventure. And all of a sudden, they're in incredible danger. And, and you know, they explain to her later, like, there's no laws out here. And there's a lot of travelers. Which is every day is purge day. <laughs> and it's just too good for some of these people to pass up. And so they pack up camp immediately in the dark by moonlight and put as much distance between them and these ruffians that they can um, because they can't defend themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's no boat for Shalon to turn into water and drown everyone. So I don't know what they would have done. Maybe she could have just set all the wagons on fire. <laughs> Maybe that's what then she Then there could. wouldn't be anything for them to steal. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, wait a minute. I, I think I misspoke. Uh, the men moved quickly, even the portly to block of breaking down camp and hooking up the chills. The slaves grumbled at not getting their food for the night. Shalon oh. stopped beside their cage, feeling ashamed. Her family had owned slaves and not just parchment and ardents, ordinary slaves. In most cases, they were nothing worse than dark eyes without the rights of travel. These poor souls, however, were sickly and half-starved. So he does have slaves. Does. I missed that. I apologize. It's because Shalon doesn't think it's important. Oh. Shalon doesn't pay attention. Because she's like, oh, it's just a part of life. And this is, again, we're seeing some of the classism inherent in the foreign nations mm -hmm. where they're not even her foremost thought. Yeah. She gets to know the slavers by name. Mm -hmm. She gets to know the men driving the caravan and their personalities, and she speaks to them. And from your description that she just read, she dehumanizes these men who are captured to be sold. Yeah. It's it's sad, and I it's, it's the invisible bias that she doesn't see. She doesn't even register that this is an issue, that this is a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and her her suggestion is as they're as they're escaping, she's like, well, if they catch us, can't we just bribe them? Can't we? Basically, she's just asking, can't we just throw money at the problem? Because she's a very wealthy woman, and that's that's how she's fixed her problems solve before. It. And Bluth says, deserters ain't like common bandits. These men, they've given up everything, oaths, families. When you desert, it breaks you. It leaves you willing to do anything because you've already given away everything you could have cared about losing. You spend your whole life with a decision like that. You do. You wish any honor were left for you, but you know you've already given it away. I wonder if Bluth is a deserter hey, because that's... he understands that so well. Yeah, I'm like, hey, uh, <laughs> sir, that seems like a pretty... Some other people, not me, have told me that deserting I've, I've feels read like somewhere. this. <laughs> yeah. And I find that interesting because Kaladin was all ready to have everyone leave, but he didn't see it as a... As a bad thing, he was like, we're surviving and we're sticking it to the man, you know. Well, because Kaladin had no loyalty to the army at this point. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would be very different than, like, if he had deserted when he was squad leader. Like, if he had taken his squad to desert back when he fought in Amaram's mm -hmm. army, that would have been very different. But by the time he was on the bridge, he's like, no, there's no honor in men. This war isn't glorious. But... Yeah. With the conditioning and, like, the propaganda that, like, most people in this nation believe that, you know, war is holy and fighting is how you attain glory. And yeah. that deserting and leaving behind not just a societal calling, but a holy calling. Being a warrior is, like, the highest and greatest thing that you could be in yeah. the nation of Alethkar. That leaving your religion behind mm -hmm. when you desert the army of course would leave a gaping hole in someone's heart yeah yeah that makes perfect sense and maybe bluth is speaking from experience yeah sounds we'll like have it. to uh rafo sounds good well those are that's the end of the chapters those are some good chapters those were huh? such good chapters i really enjoyed it, it was uh i mean they were they dealt with very real things but they were kind of a pick-me-up <laughs> like you know yeah all right, so uh, to wrap up, we got to talk about the Herald's present. Uh, oh, 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 wait, first, I wanted to talk about the chapter of this Shalon, A Hand with the Tower. Yeah, I didn't know what that Did meant. that sound familiar to you at all? Uh, is that the game 
that okay i got it right i got it right <laughs> you nailed it, nailed so it. back in the first book Liren, uh when rashon is first coming to their village uh Liren is trying to guess okay are we gonna have a hand with the queen or a hand with the tower and the tower was three pairs in a game of breakneck the queen was two trios the first was an outright loss. Mm -hmm. The other was an outright win. So a hand with the tower is a losing hand. But Shallan triumphs in this chapter. Yeah. So to what do you think it's referring? I have no idea. Like it's... Unless it has to do with like the slaves that she doesn't even notice. Like is it a commentary on her selfishness but i don't see that as selfishness because she's trying to survive mm-hmm. i feel like kaladin okay to compare shallan and kaladin kaladin spent his time trying to help everyone that was a slave mm-hmm. that doesn't even cross shallan's mind just because that's not how she was brought up yeah and also she's like i am on a quest to save the whole Country. world so yeah. she's she's doing a trolley problem right now Ugh. i don't know what do you think it means i think it means rafo fine be that way all right so the herald that is present over chapter 13 which is the first shalon pattern mm-hmm. is shalash who is the herald that shalon is named for nice um and she symbolizes both creativity and honesty and she is the patron herald of the light weavers oh cool in iron stance the adolin chapter the herald present is Kalak. Kalak, his attributes are like resolute and being a, a builder. Yeah. Which uh, I think resolution is very much what Adolin displays in this chapter. And then finally in chapter 15, A Hand with the Tower, the herald present is Channa. And her characteristics are brave and obedient. And I think this is... Shallan, I mean, it's Shallan's bravery. It's yeah. her standing up, even though she's scared on the inside. She's Shallan on the inside. She's Yasna on the outside. Mm-hmm. And she stands with bravery, uh, talking to yes. to Vlakov. And our song for the week is "We Will Rock You." Megan, I was gonna, <laughs> <laughs> and it's because it's a Knight's Tale reference. In honor of Adolin's first official duel back oh going gosh. up through the bracket. I wish I would have, like, said something earlier. Because, like, I was thinking that while we were while we were doing that chapter. I'm just like, yeah, it's like Night's Tale. We should do We Will Rock You. Make sure it's on Spotify, though, because we were disappointed last time. I can't sure imagine it's, it's not, but, you know, just in case. Yes, it's there. All right. Uh, that's it for us this week. What are the next chapters again? That's what I'm doing. Oh, thank you. Next week, we will immediately answer one of Emily's Rafos in chapter 16. Are you going to tell me which one Sword Master. <gasps> Is that another Adolin chapter? And we will then read me. chapter 17, A Pattern. Shalon. And chapter 18, Bruises. Ooh. Either Adolin or... Is Kaladin a point of view character in book two? He is. Oh my gosh, Emily. Do you remember who the point of view characters are? Yes, yes. It was Adolin, Shallan, Kaladin, 
Not Navani. Not Delinar. Sadius. Yeah. Stupid Sadius. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us tonight. Uh, I hope you all have a very great week. And we will be back in a fortnight with three more chapters. Woo! But until then, I have to get back to cleaning my room. I have to go get ready for my business trip. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready, break. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of My Sister Made Me View It, covering pretty much the whole Cosmere. Catch our next episode Thursday, October 6th, as we discuss more of the 1999 Roswell series. And we'll be back the week after that, Thursday, October 13th, with another episode inside of Words of Radiance. We aren't sure when we're going to start our one to watch. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Because Emily's sick. No, that's not why. <laughs> and I was also sick and busy. So, but we are going to. So, you be the ones to watch for one to watch. <laughs> and it'll just happen when it happens. Okay. Anyway, we love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Have a good night. <sighs> Special thanks to my personal friend. Michael Biancardi for the use of his song A Passing Storm which we use for our intro and outro because it's wonderful you know he and I are writing more music together I know I'm so excited it's gonna be great maybe I'll share about it with you guys in the podcast sometime but anyway now for realsies have a good night bye